So, anyone check the message? What's today about? Today's Watermelon. About, yeah, honestly, you're not wrong. Um, we're continuing the What's That All About series, which is now apparently a series where we kind of like break down Christianese language. So the first one, if someone could please remind me, I gave it to Rana, but I totally forgot what the topic was. Dying to self. Dying to self, what's that all about? So today is bearing fruit. Thanks, we've got a physio in the building now. Um, bearing fruit, what's that about? You might, you might hear that, like, like bearing good fruit, the fruit of the spirit, um, the fruit of, I don't know, whatever else you might hear. And... I feel like it is really good because like Dave last week was breaking down this sort of like Christianese perspectives or whatever but sometimes we can become too familiar with some of the language when it's actually very powerful and very intentional and it has a lot of meaning that we can sometimes subtract away from it when we hear it over and over. So today is about bearing fruit. So pretty much bearing fruit, what's that all about? And there's a lot that we need to get to. It won't be too long. It'll be 15 to 20. That's what... I tried to keep it too. Um, so talking about bearing fruit. So John, bearing fruit, what are you saying? You're trying to make us all farmers today. It's probably a good thing. Grow some cabbages or whatever. Apparently they're hella, hella expensive now. Um, no, but we're talking about spiritual fruit. And then you say, John, that's even more confusing. And I say, fair enough. Um, so what we're going to cover today in the next 15 to 20 what is the Bible's idea of bearing fruit? How can I bear fruit? Do I need to bear fruit? But how can I bear fruit? And then what does this mean for me specifically as a follower of Jesus? So um, you could try have a guess of where we're going to base most of today from. It's going to be from Jesus' teaching in John 15 on the vine and the branches. And it's very rich. It's beyond what we could go into. There's a lot of symbolism, the vine of, like as Israel and this and that. And we're not going to go too much explorative down that path. Um, But I was thinking as I was praying, like, why the vine and the branches specifically to get this idea across? Like, and I tried to non-heretically create, like, some other alternatives. Like, why not the teacher and the student? Like, I feel like that's a pretty good fit. The teacher needs the student to learn. And, like, without the teacher, how's the student meant to develop? There's, feel free to think of your own. There's, like, the master and the servant. And this is used, like, a, a bunch of times. We see this in heaps of parables. There's the master of an estate or a property. The guy goes away. He leaves, like, some cash or something like, be good people. You know, I'm here to look out for you or whatever. Great example, Jesus. Why don't you just continue to build on that? Maybe it's not as personal. I feel like this one's a great example. The shepherd and the sheep. Literally just a few chapters. In John 10, you have this whole passage about Jesus talking about himself as a shepherd. He talks about being the ultimate shepherd, the good shepherd. The one whom the flock know the voice of and who he would lay his very own life down for. I feel like it's a great example. But he doesn't choose to go down that path. Instead, he goes down this idea of the vine and the branches. And originally I planned this as a discussion, but we've changed it. We're going to have a bit of like reflection at the end. But I do have a question here. Why do you think that Jesus uses the vine and the branches? And I'm very comfortable now with silences. Like, trust me, over the last 10 or so discussions... personal reflection but I also want an answer I'm not going to continue to someone answers it's going to be a long message guys 
I'm fine. I put myself out of my own misery. <laughs> it's too awkward. Um, it highlights the need for complete and utter dependence on God as our source and the need for constant connection with him. Um, and I think what you see in this illustration more so than anything else is that the branch depends on the vine even more so than you see in anything else, more than the shepherd and the sheep or the student requiring the teacher or whatever. Okay, so let's talk about what we're talking about today. I'm like, this is really fun. What is... Can you help me? Um, Let's talk about fruit. So what is bearing fruit? And I think it's very hard to summarize the biblical notion of bearing fruit. At least I found it very challenging. When I was preparing, I was like, how can I kind of give a quick intro into what the idea really is? And this is where I've landed. It's that bearing fruit, this is important, bearing fruit is the natural outcome of the constant outward testament and renewal process that you engage in daily as a follower of Jesus. Put less confusingly, um, I think that bearing fruit is about allowing God to use and transform us as we remain in his love to bring blessing into this broken, fallen world. I think that's what encapsulates um, bearing fruit, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, it's essentially living and loving in a Christ-like way that glorifies God, establishes his kingdom, and makes disciples. So, let's talk about fruit. Okay, so what we're going to talk about first is that it's this notion of you as a vessel of flesh or of life. And I think we've talked about multiple times before, but it also applies to bearing fruit. So in Romans 7, 5, it talks about for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. And I think it's a perfect place to start because it's very important to understand um, it's not as if you bear good fruit or you kind of like float in between. I kind of just, maybe I don't want to produce anything today. No, I think the Bible's quite clear. Like you bear good fruit or you bear fruit for death. And I think that's the reality. It's the same principle we see over and over, particularly in Romans. And Dave talked about it a few weeks ago on the topic of surrender. Like you bear good fruit or ultimately you bear the fruit of the flesh. You bear bad fruit. You're a slave to, sin, uh, slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness, which leads to life. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground that, that's yours to play in. It's really one or the other. And, and it's very clear that it's a direct result of whatever controls your heart. Um, Matthew fifteen nineteen, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. If this is what you set your heart on, um, this is what occupies your mind this is ultimately it's the natural fruit that's going to grow on your decaying tree it doesn't make any sense for your mind and your heart to be filled with these things and then you see like this outpouring of this beautiful fruit this spiritual abundance it's not natural um galatians five nineteen. now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions and sure, you might say, John, that's a bit weird. I don't really practice sorcery. Um, also, I actually felt compelled to say, hey, the new Doctor Strange film is so bad. <laughs> if, if Marvel is listening to this, I'm sorry. But we've probably made it by that point. Um, feel free to fight me on that. But Paul's making a point. Jealousy, a lack of self-control, impurity, so on. This is what is born out of a heart that is far from God. 
And what does Paul contrast this to? What is the alternative? And this is where I assume you've been waiting to hear the buzz passage when you hear the Christianese word fruit. Sure, let's read it. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. It's pretty good stuff. Um, Love, joy, peace, gentleness, a life of self-control. These are good. They're good, godly things that come with the transformation of our lives. And these are things that come with the renewing of our lives. And it's quite beautiful because what we see is God taking something that was once broken, something that was intended for so much more and giving it life, watering it, cultivating it until it becomes a tree of life that produces good fruit. It's the fruit of life. And honestly, you could summarize it even further still to say that ultimately the work that God does through you is to ultimately make you more and more like Jesus. It's, it's you becoming more loving, more joyful, more selfless, kind at home, in your workplaces, in your place of study, in your relationships. And not just stopping there, but that this would then equip you to glorify God through doing his will, working the fields and further bearing fruit. Okay, cool. Everyone on board so far? Bearing fruit. Well, what else does bearing good fruit encapsulate? I think it's very clear that bearing good fruit encapsulates also making disciples. And we see in John 4, 34 to 36, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. This idea of of harvest, of abundance that's ready to be collected, there, there are many people that are ready to be received into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is alluding to here. And the disciples, and don't take a passive role here please like the disciples and all followers of jesus should see themselves as workers as reapers in that harvest and it's actually quite um interesting to read because in the passage like jesus has this sense of urgency in his speech Um, he warns the disciples not to think you know there's still four months i'm young i'm 22 i'm 19 insert whatever age i'm only 31 years young 35 and then comes the harvest like, if they had the eyes to see it, the harvest was ready now. The harvest is ready now. It's even white for the harvest, which is like implying the grain is like overly ripe. It's fully ripe. It's ready to go. And their work here gathers fruit. It gathers fruit for eternal life in that their work has eternal significance. It's bringing others into the knowledge of Jesus. Don't believe me? Sure. Let's look at the Great Commission together. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, as you are going, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And if you hear nothing else, hear this. like, Guys, bearing fruit, it's not, um, it's not like an additional add-on. It's not like a role you sign up for. And I really want that to get across in this message. It's not like, 
I don't know, like, if you go to grilled and, like, add avocado in, like, this, but, like, you don't need it, but, like, you could add it. Like, no, like, it's a very integral part of your Christian walk. And the metaphor of bearing fruit is also very intentional. Like, fruit inherently yields more fruit by virtue of its seeds. And we are called to be followers of Jesus that bear fruit. And so, as we've seen, true fruitfulness begins in the heart with the fruit of the Spirit. It's this process of sanctification in Christ Jesus. And it's this inner fruit that it transforms us. It affects our outward actions, our words, our activities. And that this will ultimately glorify God as his will is accomplished. Cool. Nice. Bearing fruit. Everyone's kind of on board. We kind of get a bit of an idea. Nice, John. But how can I bear fruit? Like, it feels like such a step away. And you should probably have a good idea of where we're going to go now based on some of the ideas that we just covered. And I think the answer is very clear, which is good. And I like it when the answer is clear. It's in John 15. Jesus is very, very clear with his words here. Verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty bold. And he's right. There's no sort of spiritual fruit that you can try and bring forth on your own. You can try, actually. Try. But I think the reality is that without the active work of God, without being connected to the vine, it's honestly fruit for death. Um, it's impossible. We need to be connected to the vine. It's, in, it's, it's essential for the fruit-bearing process. It's the source of life. It nourishes you. It enables you. You can't bear fruit for God in this kingdom if you're not connected to Jesus. It's so important. Like This, this nourishment that you receive, from, it's, it's the whole metaphor of the vine and the branches. It's the nourishment that you receive from the vine. It flows through the branches and it culminates in this spiritual fruit. It's born for the nourishment and refreshment of other people for the glory of God. And then, sure, you know, okay, I need to abide in Christ. I need to be connected to the vine. That's great. And I understand this is actually not, it's not like a simple thing. It's not, it's something that requires a lot of discipline. And I don't know if we talk about this enough, like spiritual discipline to remain in Christ. It's not, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, peace out. I'm going to Tesla autopilot, just like cruise. No, it's, it's a very active life. It's a very active life. It's a way of living in such that you're always found to be in him. You're walking alongside him and you're living according to his word. And this is how can, we can allow the spirit to work in us to bear good fruit for God's kingdom. Okay, everyone okay? Everyone's on board with that? Nice. Happy to see some nods. Now, this final bit, I just want to touch on like a necessary, very necessary, I don't know if this is often forgotten, part of this spiritual process. It's probably one of the most important parts. It's engaging in the pruning process. So, yep, okay, John, I'm on board. I understand the vine. I need to be connected to it. How am I going to bear spiritual fruit if I'm not connected to the vine? But is that where it ends? And like, sadly, or like, no, maybe not sadly, but... Is that where it ends? No. It's actually where it just begins. And God doesn't want to leave you. He, it's, it's, it's about like ruining your own or putting aside your own passive mentality. God doesn't want to kind of 
be this person that you call upon in times of distress or someone that you can kind of, you know, tag along. Like, you know what, you can come with me to church, but school, no. Uni, no, that's like out of bounds. That's for me. God doesn't want to have this small corner of your life. He wants not just a room in your home. He actually wants to make some big changes, some huge changes. And if you call him Lord of your life, I think it's you're selling yourself short if you think he's going to be happy with just a fraction of your heart. God doesn't want this corner of your life. He doesn't want just a room in your home. He has some big plans. Um, he's just finished watching the last season of The Block. He's going to knock some walls down. He's going to, I don't know what else they do. Please, someone help me. They renovate the tiles <laughs> and they change the trees. <laughs> uh, but he's going to do some big renovations. And, and the purpose is not like this control, like I just want control, sure. But like, it's good for you. It's actually good for you. God wants to actively mold you into a vessel that can be best equipped to bear good fruit. You want, you want in on God's mission? Cool. Great. But like I said, it's just the starting point. And from here, God wants to cultivate you as a gardener, creates the best possible environment for his plants to flourish. It's not just about, yep, yeah, I'm in on this mission. It's like, no, like there's so much potential that can be reached if you would just let me in, if you would just give me the ability to to change your heart and your mind to become more and more like Jesus. And so if we take it back to the vine and the branches, it's the branches that bear the most fruit. These ones, are they're pruned so that they can produce even greater fruit. And it sounds good, right? Like this pruning process. And I mean, if you were to say that, I would agree with you. Like Yes, but also no. And yes, because it's a beautiful thing and it's how our creator shapes us to fit the purposes that we were created for. But I say no in the sense that it's a very difficult process and it's something you need to actively engage in. And I think Dave talked about it again in many weeks. Um, it's about being laid bare before God. And we see in Psalm 139, the psalmist saying, like, Search me, O Lord. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. It's a difficult process. If you don't think it's going to be a difficult process, I don't think you truly understand. Um, but it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. It's vital to bear good spiritual fruit. It requires you to be completely honest and open with God and with one another. Because only then, in your vulnerability, in your willingness to let God have control, that's when he can prune what's necessary that you might grow in his likeness. And look... You might say, okay, John, but like the branches, they're doing just fine. Then close to the vine, they look strong, but you don't really see it. Like if you leave, leave a garden for a year, see what comes back. Like just leave, leave your house for one year. Leave, look and come back to the backyard and see what it's like. It's chaos. Branches everywhere. There's thistles, this unproductive growth, dead wood. It's, it's actually worse, much, much, much worse. It's not conducive to good growth if you just let, let things grow unkempt. And for maximal fruitness, for like the maximum fruitfulness and for, for, for the beauty of good fruit, you need careful, considerate pruning. Um, it's absolutely essential. It's absolutely necessary, this pruning process that you engage in with God, that you might be able to bear good fruit for the kingdom of God. Okay, so what does this mean for you? You might be sitting here like, okay, nice, great message, but like how can I... What is it that I need to apply? What can I latch on to? 
And I think the main thing to take away is that bearing fruit is not this optional extra. It's definitely not this optional extra. It's a key part of the life that we're called to. God wants, in fact, God deeply desires that we remain in him as he is in us, that we might continue to bear fruit for his kingdom and that we would daily join him in the process of having our lives transformed and extending this revelation to those he's placed in our lives. So to close, I just want to say, it's so important, guys. When we're connected, when we're intentional about being connected to the source of life, when we're intentional about our relationship with God, we produce this good fruit that we talked about at the start, that God cultivates within us. Don't be burdened. Don't be burdened by it, for it's God who does the work in and through us. Our fruit bearing is a result of his faithfulness, that he chose us and appointed us to go and bear fruit. Everybody on board with that? Do we have a bit of an understanding? I don't want anyone to have this sort of Christianese perspective that we can so easily have. So I have some very challenging reflection questions. I'll just pray before we finish. And then let's do 15 or 10 minutes in small groups. Let's pray. Father God, would you lead us in in drawing near to us and encouraging us to seek you, Lord? to want to be close to you, to be near to you, to want you to be Lord of all of our life, not just aspects and parts. Lord, help us to bear good fruit, Lord. May your spirit continually renew us, Lord, in your likeness that we might be more and more like Jesus, Lord. Um, I pray that these words would would be taken directly to heart, Lord, and applied. And I pray that um, we would engage in this renewal process, Lord. It's not something that we would shy away from, but that we would choose to be vulnerable with those around us, Lord, and with ultimately with you. In your name. Amen.